Hello and welcome to Let the Bird Fly, a podcast about living freely in a world given back to us. This is our continuation of the COVID-19 online learning you, experience. Uh, you started recording and jumped in right away there, huh? Well, I gave you a second. You weren't recording our conversation before that, though, were you? No. Okay. Not that it was inappropriate, but what are we at for time right now? 19 seconds. Okay, good. You just you usually <laughs> don't jump in that quick. You usually hit it and then you have a little pause. So. Well, you're fine. This is my thing. Will you stop it? I'm sorry. I just... Right. We're doing our COVID-19 online learning experience here at Wisconsin Lutheran College. I'm Wade. This is Mike. And we're here in the studio. And if you're a normal subscriber to Let the Bird Fly, we do apologize for uh, giving you all this content. You can change your settings on there to only get the, the latest uh, the latest podcast so you don't uh, we don't uh, take up too much space in if your If you're phone. a listener to... Uh I, as I've been looking at the walls, we've, we're on like 21 or 22 of these podcast sessions now. Mike have been, and I have been in this studio probably five hours a day mm-hmm. since More Tuesday at yeah. least. And uh, we could use some fresh memes um, for our meme wall. Uh, we've got one wall mostly covered, but other walls that need more covering. Mm-hmm. And the memes we have on the wall are good. They're, they're definitely dank, as the kids say, but we could use some fresh ones. So if, don't just send us random memes. Mm-hmm. But if you have memes that maybe tie to the podcast mm-hmm. or stuff that you know we like to joke about, shoot us a message. Uh, you know, message me on Facebook, message the podcast, share them on Twitter. Uh, we'll print them off. We'll get them up. We could. Mm-hmm. I think we need need to up our our meme decor. Yeah, we have room for maybe even fifty, sixty, maybe even more of that. Yeah. So we got plenty of space. Do you have a favorite meme, real quick, Mike? That uh, the one that said the most lasting power. Don't say any that people shouldn't know about. Right, right. Um, Mine is not a meme. My favorite is still the picture we printed off of Brewer Erickson. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the dog looking out on the sunset, a, a sun setting over the ocean, and it says, "When your dog eats your philosophy homework." Okay, that's a good one too. I like that one. All right, let's stay focused here. We're trying. I, I'm, I'll try. Now. This is the pseudo lecture for theology 105 intro to scripture and on this lesson we are going to go through the resurrection through the ascension so last time we uh were were um were recording for 105 intro to scripture it's not our best it was at the end of the day um and we did we did get through good friday though i think we did a decent job and remember the students are reading all all of that it's okay so now we're going to get to easter sunday um, Jesus, this is the day Jesus rises from the dead, of course. Um, he is in the tomb for three days, or he's dead for three days, um, counting Friday, part of Friday, Saturday, and then uh, part of Sunday. So um, what do you think about this, though? I mean, we don't need to get into the details about the, the, the actual... Mike, I just briefly, I was uh, scrolling through Twitter, and I like Vicks, right? I'm a fan of Vicks because as a kid, like VapoRub healed mm-hmm. everything. Mm-hmm. Guess what Vicks has now? Vapo Shower, the <laughs> thing you put on your shower. You know, you're that, supposed uh, to put it on like the heels of your feet too. That's supposed to. But oh, you put it and like now they say like don't put it in your body, but we used to like put it in our noses and. Oh, like it's on yes. But uh, you can shower with Vicks now, and so I would just like to say. If you want to get me a present in this time of crisis, Mike, I would like that. 
I'll look into it if they have Thank it. You. If they're not, if Walmart has it not already. It's called people, Vapo Shower. If people have not already hoarded it during this uh, What if it turned out that heals this virus? Let's find out. Do you have the coronavirus? I don't, why don't you do... I don't you, get to... You know me. Do I get tested for things, Mike? We, I don't even go to the doctor because you, I'm afraid of... I'd rather just... Die. Yeah. Would you do me a solid and the world a solid by purposely getting coronavirus and then we'll test you with this fixed stuff? I would maybe do it for for Vicks. For the world. We'd have to have Dr. Henkel maybe come so he can do a... You know, something peer-reviewed. Yeah. So just in case, listeners, just in case, I'm not saying spend a lot of money, but you may want to buy stock in VIX. Is yeah. that Johnson & Johnson or whatever company makes I don't VIX? know. Sorry okay. for interrupting, but that's a I'm going to ask you a me. question. So put your phone down, student. I'm going to ask you a question. So we're not going to go through. Uh, the students have read this multiple. They've read it in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and uh, John. Uh, the story of Easter Sunday. So we don't need to rehash the details. But why women? What, what's the significance of the women who are going to uh, first be the, be the first witnesses to the resurrection? Well, I think it's interesting in the New Testament in general. Um, <clears throat> permit me to jump to an epistle. We sometimes focus on, for instance, a passage like a woman should learn in quietness and submission. Um, and, and we go, see, this is roles of men and women and... Uh, the woman shouldn't speak in, in church. And we'll, we'll do, well, actually, I don't think I ever want to do an episode on the roles of men and women, but <clears throat> maybe you'll get me to, Mike. Um, but we sometimes miss what's going on there, too, of the woman should learn, right? Mm -hmm. um, Christianity, for its time, was often derided as being a religion of uh, women and slaves. Mm -hmm. And so I think sometimes we undervalue uh, the value that... Uh, is placed upon women in the New Testament, and especially that it's uh, God chooses a message was at this time in the world less credible on the lips of a woman, and yet uh, God puts the most uh, important historical event of all of in human history on the lips of these women to go and to declare to his frightened apostles. And I think it's a reminder also that in the church sometimes um, and we'll be talking about Hammer of God for 110, and we even get to the end of the semester. And the novella drives it home sometimes. Uh, lay people as a whole, but even women too, uh, that that sometimes uh, they uh, they have a way of bucking up and, and encouraging and um, and helping to spur on the ministry of a church that maybe is underappreciated. <coughs> uh, but I mean, you can't read Mark's gospel and not notice all of Jesus' interaction with women as well. And that's not to say. There are no roles of men and women either, in, um, or roles of husband and wife. Uh, not saying that. I, I just think uh, it does good to appreciate both angles of things when we when we look at them. I don't know if that's what you were going for. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And and let me then make it an apologetic thing. Um, if you were going to make up a story in that time period, you wouldn't give it to a woman. You wouldn't give it because yeah. a woman's witness was not. Uh, was not equal to a man's witness and still isn't in some Middle Eastern countries. So, yeah, we fail to fail to realize sometimes how progressive the Judeo-Christian worldview is for its time. We got to talk about that term sometime. Well, I know. If, for lack of a better word, it's kind of well, like... Well, you just know I don't like worldview even. Worldview, yeah. you know, I'm... I'm, I'm not I, saying you can't use it. It can I be go helpful. Back, I go in back and forth on worldview. Like, that's a stupid word. I'm like, it's actually pretty good. And then I'm like, it's stupid. 
and they're actually pretty good. Uh-huh. So, but it is shorthand for. And we do better. tend to bring each yeah. other back and forth on it. I, it can be used well. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm going to be quiet for a little while, Mike. Mary Magdalene is there. Mary Magdalene. Magdalene is there. This is like Augustine. People say Magdalene. It's my when we do yours. It's my daughter's name. Well, let me tell you something. So I get this one, Mike. We already had a podcast where I specifically... Actually, actually get both. Augustine was my confirmation name. Specifically... And Magdalene is my daughter's I name. I specifically, when it was your class, went out of my way to say Augustine instead of saying it properly. Oh. All right? So you're going to give me you're going to give me the same respect, and you're going to respect Mary Magdalene and pronounce her name correctly. All right. Um, she... Is is rightfully worried, and and it's not like she is has faith in the resurrection at this moment either, right? She says, "Well, someone must have stole the body. What's going on? Well, who would stole? Who would steal a body?" And she sees the gardener there, and she goes up to the gardener, and somehow Jesus has kept his true identity from her, and um, she says, "You know, sir, you know what? Have you, have you seen anything? What did you do with the body?" And uh, Jesus reveals himself in speaking to her, and she says, Rabboni, right? She, she says, my teacher. Um, so a very touching kind of moment there. They go and get the disciples. I always like that they start out running, and then John runs way ahead, and then John's got to wait for Peter because Peter's slower, you know, probably an older man. Um, and finally Peter goes in there. They see the linen cloth there. The angels tell them that, uh, you know, this is your, Jesus is risen. It's going to be okay. Um, wait for him, that kind of stuff. So Easter Sunday, it's 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 straightforward. Jesus was dead, and now he's not dead anymore. And we're going to have a whole another lesson where we talk about the apologetics of all of this. Um, we'll mention a few things here and there, um, but we're just going to kind of go through the story right now. Resurrection appearances. So St. Paul tells us that Jesus appeared alive. He was dead, and then he was alive. This is the Christian claim to over 500. And so we have very few of these accounts. In fact, we really only have a handful in the Gospels. One is to the Emmaus 2 on that, that, that evening, or on that, on that day, Easter Sunday, the first Easter Sunday. Later that night, he appears to the disciples who had been in fear of persecution, had hid themselves and locked themselves up, perhaps in the upper room. And then um, a week later, reveals himself to that same group, except now Thomas is there. And then to the disciples from Galilee, Peter uh, being the most prominent there on the shores of the Sea of Galilee. So the Emmaus too is kind of an interesting one. So these two disciples from Emmaus are walking from Jerusalem to Emmaus. It's about a Sabbath day's walk. So think about seven miles. And Jesus walks with them, but he hides his identity to him, to them. And when he's talking with them, he opens up scripture to them and shows them, this is how he opens up scripture. He shows them that it was all about Christ, right? And so we can rightfully call Jesus the clavis, the key that opens up scripture. Since we have every right to look into the Old Testament and say, this is about Christ, this is about Christ. And I don't know about you, but I'd rather err on the side of this is about Christ than not. Because usually if it's not, it ends up being uh, something uh, akin to, akin to a damning law or a work righteousness. So he opens up scripture to them. And notice he does that first before he gives them the proof of his resurrection. 
uh, his bodily resurrection. I think that's important. Um, it's still about the word. He still wants to be taken at his word. He still wants to deal with us with words. When they get to Emmaus, they're hungry and they have food. And that in the breaking of bread, we're told in Luke's gospel, uh, Jesus reveals himself. He is revealed in this event. Um, <clears throat> I don't think it was actually Holy Communion, but I think there's a connection there that the eating, the communion, uh, it, it is a pattern that God uses. And so he is revealed to them as alive. And we'll talk about the eating aspect when it, when it comes to apologetics a little bit when we talk about the uh, when he appears in Galilee. But I do want you to also notice that they they say to him, what, or when he's gone, they say t- they say to each other, "Weren't we burning on the way down to to our to our town here in Emmaus? Why didn't he kind of like why didn't he reveal himself earlier? But he did through the Word of God, right? And so notice that God comes in multiple ways. I think this is important. Uh, he limits himself. And that's not to say that God can't be anywhere and do anything, but out of grace and love, he limits himself. So we know where he is. Right. And yet those ways are multiple. It's not just the word of God, but it is also communion, absolution and baptism. And I've always thought about it this way, that when you take a look at the way sin is described in the Bible, sometimes it's described as a trespass. It's a legal thing. Like you, you crossed a line, you did something wrong. Sometimes it is described as um, a dirtiness or a stain that needs to be washed. Sometimes it is described as something that is a a disease or a failure. Um, um, I am malnourished or something like that. There's something physically wrong with me, mentally wrong with me. and, And the only, the cure of that is going to be medicine, going to be something good for me physical. And then if you take a look at the way God is going to forgive those sins, there is a forensic one. Uh, I forgive you all of your sins. This is absolution. There is baptism, which covers up stain or washes away dirt. And then you have Holy Communion, which has been called the medicine of, of immortality, right? And so there is something wrong with me. I get Christ. I eat him. I, I get this more than nourishment it is medicine for for eternity and in all three it's really the power of the word all of those are are physical words so that's kind of important the Emmaus too they did get God even though it was not even though he's hidden to them he was still with them in scripture and so where is God why can't God reveal himself to us well he does in scripture in Moses and the prophets all right later that night he's back in Jerusalem and he reveals himself to the disciples who are hiding behind closed doors and locked windows. And they're doing that out of fear of persecution, right? If their leader had been crucified, they're going to be next. This is, what, this is what coups do. This is what new tyrants do is they eliminate first the leader and then they eliminate the, the, those who follow the leader, the closest, the closest followers to the leader. And Jesus reveals himself um, to them and Again, he's physically giving them proof of his resurrection. But here is where he also, Wade, institutes holy absolution. So maybe you can talk a little bit about uh, John 20 and Jesus 
giving us holy absolution. So what, what is that? What's how, why is that so important? Why are you smiling, Mike? I, I just love John 20. The, uh, Mike likes calling on me when I'm, when I'm on my phone <coughs> and, uh, remind me, I want to show you a tweet after it's pretty good. Um, uh, not the one I shared in telegram, a different <laughs> one, but, um, uh, yeah, I think the, 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 John's gospel, uh, people have often commented on the parallels between John's gospel and the book of Genesis, um, whether it be the beginning or, or themes that come out throughout John. Uh, but think of how God creates. Uh, the Spirit is hovering over the earth. He creates Adam and Eve with dirt, and he breathes into them. Um, ruach in Hebrew, or if we want to use Greek, panoima, both words that just require breath to even say them. And so Jesus appears to his frightened disciples, and he gives them what we call the keys, the binding key um, to not forgive those who are... Uh, those who are impenitent, um, and the loosened key to forgive those who are repentant, um, and repentance itself is a gift of God, remember. Uh, and, uh, and what does Jesus do? He breathes on them, and he says, receive the Holy Spirit. Uh, whoever sins, you forgive. This, uh, this is absolution is life. The Christian church lives by absolution. The Christian lives by absolution. Uh, the unforgiven life is no for, is no life at all. Um, and the life of the Spirit, which is a key throughout Paul's epistles, um, is life based in absolution. So this idea of absolution, and I usually tell my students to think of a solvent, think of Windex. Well, what does a solvent do? It blots things out. Uh, this announcement of the forgiveness of sins, blotting out our sins, this is the key work of the church. Now, it it happens in a specific sacrament. Uh, the Augsburg our, our Apology says that absolution could be considered the third sacrament. Um, so it can happen in corporate confession and absolution, for instance, in the divine service. It can happen in private confession and absolution. But at the end of the day, every proclamation of the word, or of the gospel at least, is absolution, right? So this is the central task of the church. This is what the church has been given by Christ that no one else has. There are other places that can help you turn your life around. Um, there are other places uh, that can give you law, Right, uh, and probably better than we can at the church. Exactly, and and many of them have better coffee too. Uh, but at the end of the day, what the church has is the forgiveness of sins, and that's why that ought to be the defining aspect of a church's ministry. That's what the church ought to be known for in town, uh, primarily, is for the forgiveness of sins. And so it's it, this is a uh, what Jesus gives is not only <coughs> um, the keys to forgive sins, but he he really gives the church um, its identity and what animates it. Was that good, Mike, considering you thought I wasn't paying attention? Excellent. And I've always wondered, like, so when we get the institution of baptism, absolution, and Holy Communion, it's Monday, Thursday, Easter, Sunday, and then we connect that, uh, you know, the final command to go make disciples of all nations with ascension, right? I mean, these are big events, and he and each of those institutes something that is going to be a, a mark of the church, that is going to be a means of grace. All right, let's shoot up to the Sea of Galilee there, and uh, it's been a while, uh, uh, and the disciples are Are we walking or are we Jerusalem. rowing? Just well, so they're, they're going to walk, and then we're going to row. So they walk up to But for Galilee. us to get there to see them, can we row? Yeah, and so when yes. we get there... Kayaks um, or canoes? Are we in the boat together, or are we going to kind of like racing each other know, and having fun? I, can you get in and out of a kayak? I'm not bad at kayaking. I All own right. a kayak. Actually, I think kayak may be safer than a canoe. 
Let's do that. In some places. All right. All right. Give me a second to get there. Okay. Oh, it's a beautiful day. <laughs> it's very early, though. I'm getting like, tired. I'm, I've this been, is uh, quite the kayak. I've trip. been up. You you don't get up this no, early. I, yeah, I got up late. I'm trying to kind of catch up to you. All right, we're there. I'm there. I'm exhausted, but I'm I'm ready. To, I'm ready to hear some good the news. The disciples <clears throat> in Jerusalem are like, well, I don't know what to do. We got to make some money. Let's go back to Galilee and, and start fishing again, right? So they probably haven't been fishing for a while. Maybe start a podcast. And they monetizing. get up there, yeah. And they get up there, and uh, it's early in the morning, and they're they're doing their fisherman thing, and they look out on the shore, and they see uh, this fire that's been built, and it's and they don't know yet, but uh, it's Jesus who has built this, and he's frying fish for breakfast. And so when Peter finally realizes that it's Jesus, he like takes off his coat and jumps out and wades through the water and gets there. And we have this beautiful scene. see what you did there. Yeah. We see this beautiful scene here and, uh, and they have breakfast together. And here's, I like to make the point. This is the third or fourth. This is really the fourth time that, um, oh, we forgot doubting Thomas. We got to go back to doubting Thomas. This will be the fourth time where Jesus gives empirical proof of his resurrection. And why do you say eating? How does that proof of his resurrection? Well, I mean, if you saw one of your dead relatives that you went to their funeral and then all of a sudden they're in your kitchen table and you're like, is this a dream? Um, I shouldn't have ate that, you know, pizza at midnight. Um, is this a hallucination? Did I take the right kind of medicine? You pinch yourself. But if there's some food in front of that person and then the food's gone, that's a whole nother thing because it physic there's physically something that happened there. And so when Jesus eats with his disciples, that's very important. We also have that scene here where Jesus reinstates Peter. So I think my students, we've talked to, yeah, I know we talked about the four loves when we talk about Jonathan and David. And remember that there was different words in Greek for, for love. And uh, the two that are being played on here are uh, philos and agape. So philia or philos, is that if you remember kind of the 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 love of similars it, it could be called friendship it could be deep but it's friendship you choose your friends it's a love you can put down and pick back up again um it's uh you know you, you don't see your high school buddy for 10 years but you can pick up right where you left off agape love is a self-sacrificing love the the love that always has the object of the best interest of the object of love in mind i can't put down my wife and pick that relationship back up again because it's 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 closer to agape love it's not perfect but it is agape love it's not a mere friendship now when peter and jesus are talking at this scene peter um if you remember had been kind of a coward he was a theologian of the cross and uh learned the hard you way mean of glory of glory excuse me learned the hard way again and again that he couldn't trust himself so he's making promises to, to Jesus. He's cutting off people's ears, all that kind of stuff. And then uh, when Jesus is on trial in the high priest court, that is when he is a coward and runs away. And I don't think Peter's going to be the same until Pentecost, until he gets the spirit. We'll talk about that next time. But Peter's still kind of the spokesman, and maybe we even think of him as the leader of the disciples. And Jesus says, basically says, Peter, I want you to be a pastor. I want you to feed my sheep right? So pastor means shepherd. I want you to, uh, I want you to feed my sheep. And, um, <clears throat> Jesus asked Peter, do you love me? And Peter answers, yes, I love you. And they're probably speaking Aramaic. In fact, we're pretty, I mean, 
clearly they're going to be speaking Aramaic, and maybe they were using the same word for love there. But the translation we get into John, so what's going on in the heart, this inspired word is telling us what's going on in the heart of Peter and of Jesus. When Jesus asks Peter, do you love me? He says, do you agape me? And Peter says, I philos you, <laughs> right? And Jesus answers again, do you love me? And Peter says, I love you back. And one more time, and Peter feels distraught about this, right? Um, but what, what was really going on it, there was Jesus saying, do you self-sacrificing me, putting me first, agape love me? And Peter says, yeah, I like you, bro. You know, we're friends. It's a deep friendship. No, do you love me? Yeah, I like you. Do you love me? No, I, yeah, I like you. Even though they were saying, they were saying and hearing the same word. And I think the point here is that we can't really love God the way we need to love God. I'm sick of people saying, oh, and he's a lover of Jesus and a lover of God. I would never go around saying, I do this for God. That just seems to be a bad, that seems to be a, 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 a theology of glory. And for Peter, he had already learned that lesson. And notice that Jesus still is going to have Peter be a pastor. He still says, go feed my sheep. Even though Peter, if we want to say, failed the test, right? He didn't truly agape in a, in a pure way, Jesus, how could he? I don't know if I, I'm reading that right, but that's the way I take that. Let's jump back to the second week of Easter. So the Sunday after uh, Easter. And uh, remember those people, the disciples who were hiding behind locked doors and closed windows. And Jesus appears to them, institutes holy absolution. Those same people went to Thomas, uh, another of the disciples, who was not there, and said, we saw the Lord. And Thomas is incredulous, right? So we call him Doubting Thomas. And he, he says, unless I see where the nails were and unless I, I, I see where they speared him on his side, I won't believe it. And so next week, same room, same place, same disciples, except now Thomas is in there. Doors locked, windows closed, all of a sudden, boom. Jesus appears in his physical body, and he says, Thomas, stop doubting and believe. And uh, I don't like the artwork where, you know, Jesus points to his side or to his hand, and Thomas is like, oh, and everybody's got a halo. I really like Michelangelo Caravaggio's painting, where Jesus seems to take Thomas by the wrist and shoves his finger into his side and says, stop doubting and believe. You want physical proof? I'll give it to you, Right. And so here's another way that Jesus gave Thomas exactly what he needed. Now, what's interesting about this, I think, is that um, Jesus asks Thomas for something he cannot do, right? Stop doubting and believe. But we know that true faith has to be a gift of the Spirit. And then Jesus gives Thomas exactly what he needs to believe, not just the physical evidence, but the spirit. He puts the faith into Thomas's heart. And so this is akin when we hear Jesus say, be perfect like your heavenly father is perfect. And you're like, what the heck? Why would he say to someone who cannot be perfect, be perfect? That's, an, that's a terrible standard. Exactly the point. And then he gives you his righteousness and then you are perfect. So we like to say this a lot in the Lutheran church, whatever God demands of you, he gives to you in Jesus Christ, including faith. And here's a prime example in Thomas. All right. For our, the last story in this section, I'd like to talk about the ascension. So this is Jesus ascending into heaven. 
It's 40 days after the resurrection. And so if you go to an Ascension church service, it's always going to be on a Thursday. Count 40 from that Sunday of Easter. And you know what's kind of unique about the, that, that idea of 40? Uh, uh, for our students, we know that we have, we've kind of mentioned there's a lot of 40s in the Bible, and they, they often have to do with trial and tribulation. It rained for 40 days and 40 nights. Uh, the Israelites were in the uh, wilderness wandering for 40 years. Jesus goes out into the same wilderness for 40 days and uh, fasts, and then he's tempted by the devil. 40 is a symbol of trial and tribulation between the Red Sea and the Jordan River for the Israelites, for us being baptized not into Moses, but into Christ as Christians. And then we got a 40-year time of trial and tribulation this life before we cross Jordan into not the promised land of Canaan, but the promised land of heaven. And I think it's remarkable that Jesus ascended 40 days later. It's almost as if he's redeeming this 40, right? That 40 is still a good thing. That even though you have this 40 years of trial and tribulation, it's going to be good because I can even redeem this number. So on the 40th day, he ascends into heaven. When he ascends up, he blesses his disciples. Um, and uh, uh, the dumbfounded apostles, there's 11 of them right now, look up into heaven. And angels appear and say, don't worry, he's going to come back in the same way that he left you. Um, he, they have instructions to stay in Jerusalem and the spirit is going to come upon them. What I'd like to do is talk about what I call four ascension promises. They're not really, they don't all happen at the ascension, but they are kind of ascension in the sense that these are the promises God is leaving the disciples and therefore the church who are left here on earth without him walking around in, in the body in the person Jesus Christ. And those four promises go like this. I will be with you to the very end of the age. Um, I will send the spirit to teach you all things. I am preparing a place for you and I will come back to get you. And notice there is a for you in all of those or to you or for you. The first one, I will be with you to the very end of the age. This is not like, oh, you know, Grandma's going to live on in our hearts as if Jesus was just a memory or a picture. No, I'm going to be with you in these sacraments and in this word. I will be with you in vocation. I will be with you even in suffering. So it's a promise that we're not left alone. The second one is I will send the spirit to teach you all things. Now, this is a specific promise to the disciples. And I think we might call this even total recall that the Spirit is going to inspire some of them to write this down, certainly going to inspire them to preach, right? You're going to remember all the stuff that I said. I know you, you guys are dum-dums and you, and you can't remember stuff, but I'm going, to, I'm going to give you the words to speak and I'm going to give you the words to write. So this promise then comes to us that, that he's going to send the Spirit to us to teach us all things, primarily through the Word of God, that we get an actual account of what Jesus said and did. The third promise is, I am going to prepare a place for you. So if you ask yourself, what's God doing up in heaven right now? Well, he's ruling all things for your benefit. The Holy Spirit and the Father and the Son are, are praying to each other, advocating for you with groans that words cannot even express. And Jesus is preparing a place for you. So he says, in the Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. There's a room with your name on it, and Jesus is making it 
just for you. He's preparing a place for you. Do you think heaven. our names really will be on it? It's an imagery of like this big hotel but that with would our be name cool on it. But that would be awesome. That would be cool. I would not be surprised if you get a key. I would like that. If yeah. you get a key and you're like, oh, you're in sweet. I would like an old school key and not like just. Oh like yeah. A, oh, there's not going to be those cards. No, because these never work. Yeah. You, in fact, you don't need a key because you need to lock it. You get like a a card that says. Room 1024, the penthouse. That'd be really nice. Everybody's in the penthouse. It's pretty good. Anyway, so Jesus says, I'm preparing a place for you. And in that John 14, where he makes this promise, he says, uh, you know, uh, you know, Thomas again, right? You, you, uh, I am the way and the truth and the life. And Thomas like, how do we know the way? He's like, I'm the way and the truth and the life, right? That's his answer. Um, and during that, it's almost like Jesus is sort of being sarcastic. Like, like, don't you understand I've done all of this for you? Like, do you think I'm just going to forget about you? So I'll tell the students this. Um, you know, think about before the beginning of time, God knew you and loved you, became man, suffered many things, died at the hands of enemies, uh, uh, died a horrific, horrific death, was buried, overcame death in this great miracle, uh, ascended into heaven, preparing a place for you, ruling all things, did it all for you. Do you really think like he's not going to take care of you at the end? It would be kind of like going through high school, going through college, go to grad school, go get your doctorate, write your dissertation. All you have to do is walk across the stage and get the, uh, the diploma. And you're like, mm, uh, I don't want to do it. Right. God has already done the vast amount of work already for you. And quite frankly, he has a lot invested in you, including his blood. Like he's got a lot of time and energy invested in you already. It's not like he's just going to forget about you right now. And of course, that leads us into our fourth promise, which is that he's going to come back to get you. Of course, he's going to. It's not like he's not going to do the final thing. So those four ascension promises and students, this would be a great essay question on the, on the uh, test. The four ascension promises are all for you. I will be with you. I will send the spirit to you. I'm preparing a place for you and I will come back to get you. All right. Anything you want to add? I think we're going to stop right there on the ascension. Next time we get together, we're going to do Pentecost and kind of the early church. So the early chapters of acts, unless you have anything else, you got anything? No, I, uh, ascension would be one. I would say people, there's a lot of good Ascension hymns. I always feel bad. Go to church on Ascension. Yeah, yeah. It, uh, there's some good hymns. And the second Sunday of Easter. I know you've been to church just last bad. week, yeah. but those are the two, those are the two services that, um, that are underappreciated. I think, at least when it comes to attendance-wise. So think about that as we uh, go through Lent and get into the Easter season. Until then, let the bird fly.